So how many are thankful for our worship leader, uh, Michael Larson, Michael and Jenny Larson? Our whole team, our Justin up there in the, in the sound booth and all the volunteers and Colin. And man, we just have a great worship arts department. And the thing about Michael and I is we get along. We, we, get, we like each other. We love each other. And you may not know this, but we have history way back in the day. Michael was actually the first person I ever hired when I was a youth pastor in Langley, like years ago. And uh, so it was kind of neat how God moved them to Calgary first, and then, and then Heather, and, Heather and me uh, some years later. But uh, it's not always the case that worship leaders get along with the lead pastor. The preacher and the song leader, I heard about this. Uh, there was a church where the preacher and the song leader were not getting along. And this began to spill over into the worship service. Not healthy. So one week the preacher preached on commitment and how we should dedicate ourselves to the service of the Lord. And after he preached, the song leader got up and he led everybody in a song, I shall not be moved. (laughs) And then the next Sunday the preacher preached on giving and how we should gladly give to the work of the Lord and be generous And so after he preached the sermon, the song leader got up as they closed the service and the song leader began to sing the song. He said, would you sing with me? Jesus paid it all. (laughs) The next Sunday, the preacher preached on gossiping and how we should watch our tongues and watch what we say. And the song leader then got up and he led the congregation in the song. I love to tell the story. The preacher became very disgusted over the situation. And the next Sunday, he told the congregation that he was considering resigning over all of this nonsense. And so the song leader then got up and he led the song, Oh, Why Not Tonight? (laughs) Do you even know how that song goes? I don't even know that one. So as soon as it came to pass, the preacher resigned, and then the next week informed the church that it was really Jesus who called him to that church anyway, so it was really Jesus that was leading him on to the next thing and taking him away from the congregation. After the service concluded, the song leader got up, asked the congregation to stand, and he said, let's sing together, oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. So how many are thankful that the worship leader and the senior pastor get along at First Assembly? (laughs) So much so that this week I was preparing, and I was about an hour into preparations. It was a really great sermon. You might hear it sometime. And the Lord said, we're not done in worship. So we're back on to the heart of worship. It was a series that I never saw coming, and it came. This Usually we plan a series out months in advance, pray into it, but this one was kind of, there were some open weeks, and it just seems like God's calling us back to his heart. And he's calling us back to a heart of worship, so much that I was at home, and Michael texted me, and he said, what kind of songs do you feel? Do you feel any song in your heart uh, for the service on Sunday I texted him back, and right away he said, it's exactly what God put in my heart. It was kind of a neat little way to confirm that God is speaking to us as a church about this area of worship. And today I want to talk about 
worshiping God in spirit and in truth and what that means and how that leads to a greater place of, of healing and breakthrough um, in our lives in spirit and in truth and how God is seeking and looking for worshipers. God is seeking worshipers. He's looking for a worshiping church, a worshiping people, worshiping families. Second Chronicles 16.9, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Think about that right now. God's eyes are searching the globe. Right now in this time zone, all up and down, North America, South America, there are millions of Christians worshiping God, gathered together. And God is searching the earth as on a Sunday, as the calendar rolls back to another Sunday. God is searching the earth. He's scanning the earth, and he's looking into the depths of your heart and my heart. He's looking into this church. He's saying, I'm looking for hearts that are fully committed to me. I'm looking for worshipers. John chapter 4, Jesus is having a conversation with a Samaritan woman at the well, and after a prophetic insight by Jesus speaking into her life, she realizes he's a prophet, and the subject begins to turn towards worship, and she begins to say, well, let's talk about worship. And after they talk about worship for a little while, this is what Jesus said. He said, but the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. There it is, in spirit and truth. And the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So this morning, God is looking into the depths of your heart. He's looking for a people. He's looking for a church. He's looking for a city. He's looking for some people whose hearts are saying, God, I'm a worshiper above and beyond anything else in my life. God, I'm a worshiper. And he's looking at your heart and he sees the depths of your heart. In our pre-service prayer this morning, we were praying and I prayed something to the effect of, I said, Holy Spirit, just come land on us. And so Marg, one of our, our elders in the church, she said, Pastor Ben, I loved it when you said, Holy Spirit, land on us. And she got excited because she felt like that's something that, that she was praying for and that she was longing for. And I think that's what God is longing to do. He's wanting to just to land on your life in a way that you've never experienced before. He's wanting to land on a, a, a people. He's wanting to pour out his spirit fresh today. So why not us? Why not you? Why not your home? Why not your life? Why not your family experience a fresh and a powerful move of the Holy Spirit in your life? But I believe the key is, is that God is looking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. This is where we need to start, is first we need to know that God created you. You've been, you've been created from God, and you've been created for God. 
In Genesis, says that God said, let us make man in our own image, and, and then he created the male and female. And so you came from the heart of God. You came from God. You came from his purposes, and, and he knew you before you were born. He created you. Scripture says he knit you together in your mother's womb. You, you have a purpose. Do you know that? Don't believe the lies in this culture that tell you that you just happened or that somehow through a series of you know, millions of billions of years that somehow you, you kind of existed and there's no purpose for your life. God, in his heart, he created you. You came from him and you were created for him. You were created to be a worshiper. You were created in his image, in dignity. Now God created you from him. And so you, when you die, you will return to him, your spirit. God then formed you and and made you from the ground. And then your body then will return to the ground. But your spirit is alive forever. You're eternal. You're an eternal being because who you were created from. And we see this pattern in Genesis where God creates from and then it returns to. And so your body, dust, goes back to dust. But your spirit, you're from God. You're going to go back to him. And God's purpose for you is that you are a worshiper. Colossians says, For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms. And on earth he made the things that we can see and the things we can't see. Here's some things we can't see. This is interesting. Such things as thrones. Do you know there are thrones you can't see? Kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. And everything was created, watch this, through him and for him. You are created to be a worshiper for his purposes. God made you so that he could have relationship with you, that you would worship him, that you would know him. He's looking for a heart that is dialed in to that understanding that you're created in relationship and with a purpose. And he wants to land on you. He wants to pour out his spirit on you. But it starts with that awareness of understanding that. And understanding that he's calling us as he's scanning the earth today. He's looking for you. One of the frequent sayings we see in scripture over 40 times where God says, we see it here in Hebrews, I will be their God and they will be my people. This is God's longing. This is his heart. I will be their God. In other words, relationship. They will be my people. You're created from God, for God, as a worshiper. I'm their God. They're my people. As children of God. This is beautiful that we have the opportunity to be in relationship with the God of the universe. That we have the opportunity to walk with him and know him. And Adam and Eve had it perfect until sin entered the world. And because of their sin and their disobedience, they were separated from that union, that relationship. But how many know that God had a plan from the beginning? And his name was Jesus. And he came as the second Adam to make things right with the Father. And that relationship has been restored to you and me. And the call of the Spirit is, again today, he's saying, come worship me in spirit and in truth. Because in that relationship, we're worshipers in spirit and in truth. And so John chapter 4 is where we, we read that text a little bit earlier. But this is where Jesus has this conversation again with this woman from Samaria 
a woman who was living a life seeking all kinds of things, men. She was living an immoral life. And the subject turns to worship, and as they discuss worship together, she sees that Jesus is a prophet, and she says, well, this, and, and she's not ashamed by this, which is amazing, because it says later that she went and told everybody, she says, I've met a man that knew everything, told me everything I ever did. And so somehow, even in his presence, she didn't feel shame. She, she felt exposed, no doubt. She felt that his eyes were scanning her heart. And he called her then, and he said, because she said, well, the Jews, they worship in Jerusalem, and the Samaritans, we worship here. And she was looking at worship as a place. And Jesus said, worship is not a place, it's a person. It's me. And, and, and this is the kind of worshiper that the Father is searching for and seeking. And I believe that Jesus was looking at this woman and saying, I'm landing on you because you're, you're getting the revelation now that worship is not about the men that you're chasing or the things that you're crowding out in that place in your heart. But now your, your eyes are, and, and your focus is directing on me and you're discovering that I am the longing in your heart that you are looking for. And he's aligning her in this place. And so this woman has this encounter with Jesus and, and the revelation. And she understands and she begins to understand that, that worship is a person. It's not a place. It's not, a, it's not chasing other men. You see, this lady didn't so much have relationship problems. She had worship problems. It was where she was putting her affection and where she was placing her heart. And then Jesus said, well, this is the kind of worship that God is looking for. God is searching. God is searching. And he's looking for this, for God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So worshiping in spirit and in truth. Worshiping in spirit and truth is not just a mental exercise when we worship God. It's more. It has to be wholehearted. Nor is worship, though, just an emotional experience. When we come to church and we just say, everybody else is clapping their hands, we're just going to clap our hands, we're just going to do what everybody else is doing. We need to be grounded in truth. And so we're going to look at that. Let's look at truth first. We have to have the right truth. And Jesus said, I am the, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. You have to focus, first and foremost, your worship, and I have to focus my worship with the right truth. And the kind of worship that the Father is seeking, and he's looking for hearts that are, that, are, that are aligning with Jesus being the object of their worship. And the reason why you got to get this right is because there are so many other things that can crawl up onto the throne of your life. And whatever is on the throne of your life becomes the object of your worship. And so... You can't just worship God because it feels kind of, you know, whatever. You have to make sure that in your life and in my life that we are saying, as I worship God, I'm worship, worshiping first and foremost that he is, I'm, I'm proclaiming that he is number one in my life. That he is the top priority. And you have to be honest about that. Because the kind of worship that the Father is seeking and looking for hearts that are honest and, and that say, God, I desire you above and any, anything else in my life that you are the top priority, that you are on the throne of my life. Because anything else is misguided. 
Anything else could move towards emotionalism. It could just be singing songs or just could be gathering together and just saying, yeah, well, hey, you know, Jesus is maybe second or third in my life. Then you're not worshiping in truth. You're worshiping in a place of crowding. You're not worshiping the truth because Jesus said, I am the truth. You're, you're exchanging the truth for a lie and you may not even know it. And so it begs the question this morning, what is or who is your God? And who is sitting in that throne of your life? A definition of worship is our response to what we value most. Or another way of understanding it is whatever is worth most to you in your life is what you worship, essentially. Your worth, where you value different priorities in your life, that's where you worship Is it a person? Is it a job? Is it possessions? So Lou Giglio wrote a book, The Air That I Breathe. The Air I Breathe. It's a book on worship. And I like like how he says this. He says when we're trying to figure out this place of worship and, and what is truth in our life in this area of worship, he says you simply follow the trail of your time. This is amazing your affection, your energy, your money, and your allegiance. And at the end of that trail, you'll find a throne. And whatever or whoever is on that throne is what's of highest value to you. And on that throne is what you worship. Paul says in Romans that there were some people that traded the truth of God for a lie. It says that they worshipped and served things that God created rather than worshipping the creator himself who is worthy. They, they traded objects and created things for Worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And so could it be this morning that there are some things that have, that have been positioning themselves and crowding themselves around the throne of your heart? And you, I believe that most people in this room, that your heart would be, yeah, I'm here today in church because I want Jesus or Jesus is you know, the object of my affection. But could there be some things today that as God is seeking true worshipers, that there are some things that have gotten pretty close to that place in your heart, or maybe they have even positioned themselves to take a higher place of affection. And so part of worshiping in spirit and in truth is really understanding that truth is about Jesus, that he is the truth, and being honest about what is truly on the throne of your heart. And so this morning, it could be that God would be saying, hey, I want to call you back to a place of putting me first in your life. And if there's anything else that he wants to take that place on the throne of your life in a new way, that we would be worshipers that would please the heart of the Father. And then it leads us to this, the right spirit. In spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. And the word spirit here refers to the emotions. It refers to the inner life. And it's, it's getting beyond just the outward expression. But it's, it's actually 
a real depth of, of, of longing for God. It's not just a, 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 an understanding or a mental attitude that I know God's out there somewhere, but it's allowing, it's us saying, God, I, not only am I worshiping you in truth, that you are at, on the throne of my heart, you are the priority in my life, but God, my, my body and my soul and my emotions and everything I am, it's like David would say, you know, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. It's, it's not holding back from God. It's worshiping him in, in honesty and, and with a spirit of passion and, and reliance and hunger upon the Lord. It's like David, when the Ark of the Covenant came back, after that great victory, he began to dance before the Lord. And as he danced, he, he said, I'm going to become even more undignified than I am already. I'm just, I'm going crazy for God. Why? Because his heart was after God. He wasn't so caught up in his mind. He was, he was saying, I'm going to worship God, obviously in truth, because he's my God, but I'm going to worship him in spirit. I'm going to worship him with passion. I'm going to worship him with all that's within me. And even to the place where his own wife was embarrassed by how he was worshiping. And he said, forget it. I'm going to worship God no matter what. And I think we see these qualities. We see these aspects in this area of spirit. First of all, humility. God desires humility as we worship him. That we would come humbly before God saying, God, I need you. I, I need you in my life. I, I, am, I am humbling myself. You see, pride, when it gets in our hearts, it, it, it pushes us away from being true worshipers. When we get prideful about where we are or where we think we are or even judging ourselves with our own morality or our own moral code, we say, well, I, I love Jesus and I need Jesus kind of in my life and he's kind of here. But, but you know what? I, listen, I, I've got some things figured out. And I've got some things in my life that, you know what, I've got, I'm okay. I'm a good person, basically. I don't sin too much. I don't make too many mistakes. You know, I, I, I don't cheer for the wrong hockey teams. I cheer for the flames. I got to be pretty good. I got to be a pretty righteous person here living in Calgary. God must be pleased with me. And what happens is pride begins to, to grow in our hearts. And then when we come to worship God, we have a hard time pressing through and entering into worship because really we've allowed pride to push into our hearts. You know, the enemy... Satan was Lucifer, a high angel created by God, and he was given the realm of worship as one of his roles in heaven, and one of the duties and one of the responsibilities that he had was to, to worship as a worshiping being, uh, you know, in the presence of God, and it says in Scripture, shows us that pride began to enter his heart, and he began to say what he's getting, I want a piece of. And so we got to guard pride in our lives, and we got to come to the Lord with with incredible humility and dependency, and then surrender, that we worship him with a heart of surrendering to him. You know, one of the uh, things that happened was a couple months ago, the Lord gave me a, gave me a picture, and uh, as I was praying, and it was, it was uh, of a wave, and surfers kind of going out to the wave, and so Bill Martin brought me this, this, this picture this morning of a wave, and now I can't even find it. Look at that, Bill. It's in here. Here it is. Bill brought this picture to me. And when he saw that picture, he was reminded of that, that word and the picture of the wave. And if you've ever surfed before, when you surf, you go out into the ocean, you swim out, and there's some effort, and there's some energy. And then when you get out to the wave, at some point, you just begin to position yourself and align yourself with the wave. And then finally, the wave picks you up. You actually have to surrender to the wave. 
And as we worship, it requires that we surrender our lives. When we come before the Lord, that's why we lift our hands and we, we lift our hearts and we lift our, our lives before God. And we say, God, I come humbly and I come surrendered to you. And then desperation. This is not a very popular word in our culture. None of us want to be known as desperate, especially when you're in high school. You don't want to be a desperate person in high school. And if you were, I'm sorry. I pray that you're no longer desperate that you found a date to the prom, <laughs> and you're okay. But this is a beautiful word. Desperation says, I need you, God, more than anything else. Desperation is when everything else looks dead, when everything else looks like it's, 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 there's nothing that's going to happen. God, I need you so much in my life. And God, I, I need you more than anything else. And desperation leads us to a place of, of repentance in our lives where we come before God and we say, God, I, I'm desperate for you and, and I need you to forgive me and I need you to cleanse me. I need you to forgive me of my sin. And this is a right spirit, I believe, to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. It's not just a mental interest in Jesus. It's an emotional expression, but it's anchored in truth. I'm going to ask Michael to come at this time as we conclude this morning. But Luke chapter 7, to me, is one of the most beautiful pictures of a worshiper who worships in spirit and in truth. We find a woman here who is invited to a party that Jesus is invited to. Jesus is invited to a Pharisee's house. And this woman finds herself, or invites herself rather, to this party, and she begins to worship Jesus. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. And so Jesus went to his own home and he sat down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman from the city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. And then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet. And she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And when the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of sinful woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And then Jesus asked Simon, this Pharisee, a question. He said, hey, there's, let me ask you something here. There's some people that owe some money. There's one guy that owes $500. There's another guy that owes $50. And the person that they owed money to, he decided just to forgive them, both of them, their debt. Which one, which one would be more grateful? And which one would be more thankful? And so Simon the Pharisee thought about it. He said, well, probably the one that was forgiven the larger amount of money. And Jesus says, bingo, you've answered correctly. And he said, listen, he goes, Simon, you're a Pharisee. You're a man of prominence. You're, you're a religious guy. You, you knew who I was, so you invited me to the party. You had a mental idea. You've, you, know, you know I'm a rabbi. You know I'm a good teacher. And you invited me to the party, but Simon, he says, when I came in, you never greeted me with a kiss. And this woman has not stopped kissing my feet. And that was the custom in the day that if you went to a, a party, of, especially a prominent person like Simon, you would be greeted at the door. The host would greet you with a kiss. You would be anointed with oil on your head and on your feet. And he says, Simon, you didn't kiss me, but this woman did. 
and, and you, didn't, you didn't anoint me with oil, but this woman has poured out perfume and oil and, and she's crying and she's wiping her tears with, with her hair. Can you imagine this scene? You know, prominent guy has a party and somehow this, this adulterous woman has a terrible reputation. She finds her way in and she's standing in the presence of Jesus and she just begins to weep as she gets close. I could just see it. She gets closer to Jesus and she begins to sense his presence and she just begins to cry and she begins to weep. Has that ever happened to you where you've just been in a place where you've sensed his presence and you just begin to weep? She just begins to pour out and then she doesn't know. She's probably embarrassed. She's crying and her tears are falling on Jesus' feet. So she lets down her hair. And this would have been scandalous, shocking to everybody. What is this lady doing? Because in that culture, the one who would let down her hair, that, that, that was the hair of a prostitute. And when she would let it down, it was basically just saying, hey, I'm here for business. And they would have just been, this is terrible. And then she begins to wipe Jesus' feet with her hair and her tears. And then she takes this precious oil and she just she pours it on the feet and she's worshiping and worshiping. And Jesus challenges this Pharisee and he says, you didn't greet me, you didn't kiss me, you didn't worship me. But this woman, this woman is a worshiper. And I believe this woman is a beautiful picture of what it means to worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. Truth? She said, this is Jesus, and I need him in my life. In spirit, she had humility. She had surrender in her heart, desperation. She was repenting. And when I read this story, I have to ask myself, where, where do I see myself in this story? And I would ask you to consider this morning, where do you see yourself in the story? Because I believe all of us can get like a Pharisee at times in our hearts where we're, we're more like the guy hosting the party. We may worship Jesus. We know who he is. We may have truth, but are we worshiping him with full surrender of spirit? Or, or we may have a form of you know, greeting Jesus into our lives or into our services or into our homes. We may have a, a form of that, but it's, we have our doubts about really who he is. And, and all of us, I believe at times we can crowd out the place of Jesus on the throne of our hearts by other things. And, but just like Jesus, as he met this Samaritan woman, a woman who was adulterous, and as she got the revelation then we find another woman, an adulterous woman. She gets the revelation. Friends, worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth is more about a position of the heart. And it's a place of honesty before God. It's a place of saying, God, I'm a mess. I'm broken. I need you. And it's not about being pious and proud and religious before God. It's acknowledging who he is and how much we need him. To worship the Lord in spirit and in truth is, God, I acknowledge who you are in my life. God, I'm acknowledging how much I need you today. And I believe that as the eyes of the Lord is searching the earth today, he's looking for hearts 
of true worshipers who will worship him by saying, God, I believe you are Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I believe and I want you to be number one in my life. And God, I worship you with passion, with humility, with honesty, with everything I am. Because God, I desire you more than anything else in my life. And I believe as God sees, as he looks, he's looking for a church of people to land on. He's looking for a life to land on. He's looking to pour out his spirit, but he's wanting to pour out his spirit on people who are worshipers in spirit and in truth. Can I invite you to stand with me today? I wonder this morning, before we go anywhere else, is there anyone here this morning and you have not yet put your trust in Jesus as your Savior. You've not yet put your trust in Jesus Christ as being the most important person in your life. And this morning, you would like to do that. You may be here today, and today is your day. Don't hesitate. Part of being a worshiper in spirit and the truth is acknowledging that Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the No one comes to the Father except through me. And so this morning, if you're here today and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, in other words, you are putting your trust in him. You're saying, God, I want you more than anything else. I am placing you on the throne of my heart as king, as my God, as the one who saves me from my sin. As I'm looking around today, if there's anyone here today before we go any further, I'm just going to ask you just to be praying in this place with your eyes closed and your heads bowed. But if you're here today, just by show of you're raising your hand just for a moment, I'm not going to call you forward. I just want to pray for you today. But I'd love for you just to acknowledge by raising your hand today. And it's only me and a couple of our prayer leaders that are looking around at some of our team, just so we know. There's a lady right there. Thank you. Is there anybody else here today? Yep. Right at the back. Thank you. Anybody else here saying, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus today? I'm looking up in the balcony. Is there anybody there? Today's your day. Don't hesitate. Don't waste your time any longer saying, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Today, I'm choosing to be a follower. Raise your hand and hold it there until I see you. Is there anybody else on the main floor? Anybody else on this side here? Yep. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, Lord. And Father, we thank you for these hands and these hearts that are acknowledging today that they need Jesus in this place. And if you're here today and you've raised your hand, or maybe, maybe you didn't even have the courage to raise your hand, but you're saying, I need Jesus. So would you just pray from your heart? I want to lead you in a prayer. As you pray this prayer from your heart today, you can know that you're right with God. Just pour out your heart to him and just say to him even now, Jesus, here I am. I need you. I believe you died for me on the cross. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me, to clean me out, to make me a new person. Today, I put my trust in you, and I choose to receive your forgiveness and your grace. Help me to live for you. Empower me today with your spirit. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Thank you, Lord. There's some today you raised your hand just in a moment ago. and We want to help you this morning. If you've raised your hand just a moment ago, I mentioned next steps earlier in the service. You'll see in the lobby next steps, and there will be people there that have a Bible for you. We want to help you take your next steps in following Jesus. Just stop by and say, hey, can I have a Bible? And even if you already have a Bible, take another one. Give it to a friend. And if you just say, hey, can I have a Bible, then that person is going to help you today to discover whatever next steps we can help you with. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come at this time, and we're going to open up the rest of this service as a, a time of responding today. And it could be this morning that you need healing in your body, you need breakthrough. Maybe there's something this morning you're saying, there's some areas in my life that I just need to do business with God. I need to get right with God in a few areas of priority. And maybe you just want to spend time in God's presence this morning. Maybe you want someone to pray with you or you want to find a place to kneel at the front or wherever you want to find a place with God today. I believe there are people here this morning and it's been a long time since you've sensed the presence of God to the place where, and I'm not just saying it's about emotion, I'm saying it's about spirit and in truth. But that lady who ended up at that party, I believe when she walked into that room, she was probably just overwhelmed with the presence of God. And she just began to break before him. If you feel the Holy Spirit drawing you today and calling you deeper, a deeper walk with him, you can't rely on the baptism of the Holy Spirit in 1992. Well, praise God that it happened, but what about today? You can't rely on what God did in your life yesterday. We need him today. And if there's a hunger stirring in your heart today, we're going to just open the rest of this service just to pray. And we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come minister in this place today. I believe there are people that marriages need to be healed. Relationships need to be healed. There's other things that the Holy Spirit wants to do. And the Holy Spirit can do something in a moment that may take you decades of counseling. And you just got some stuff you got to unload today. And you just need healing and breakthrough. It's going to require humility. It's going to require desperation. It's going to require that you just position your heart in that place saying, God, I want everything you have for me. And we would love to just pray with you today or if you want to find your own time. But we're going to sing and then I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal in just a moment for those of you who do need to go. But we're just going to open up this time uh, and respond today as we are worshipers. God, as you search the earth, God, may you find hearts here that you want to land on. May you find hearts here that you would pour out your spirit fresh. And God, I pray that you would bring healing and sweep through this congregation today with a wave of healing, a wave of your presence, a wave of your power. God, I break off guilt and condemnation. I break off that, that Pharisee heart that tries to make everything look okay on the outside. And God, bring us to that heart of that woman who was just desperate and just wiped your feet with her hair and her tears. And God, may our praise and may our worship be like that ointment and that perfume poured out 
that would please you. We are here for you. I thank you, God, that as we gather together today, that there are benefits that we receive in community. But God, we are not here for us. We are here for you. And God, we pray that you would take our hearts today and you would break our hearts and you would heal our hearts and you would lead us back to that place of desperation and that we would be worshipers who worship you in spirit and in truth, in honesty, in desperation, knowing that Jesus Christ that you are the number one priority in our lives. Align us today. Align us today. The Holy Spirit's bringing alignment today in your life. Let him align you today. In Jesus' name. Let's worship together, and then we're going to open up the service for the prayer team. You can come now if you want to receive prayer, or you can come later, but let's worship. Burn like a fire in me, light a flame in my soul.